You make a deal with Netflix and you don't have money that comes into you forever. You get paid and then money 20% more or 30% more, but you that's it. It didn't come natural to me. There's so many things that I think about now I wish I had known when I was younger. What I believe resonates with people who are particularly now is content that has some sort of meaning to it. It's more than just pure entertainment. And so suddenly MTV was the only thing, it seemed, in the whole world and all of Hollywood and everybody else was taking their cues from this startup. I did not know a single writer when I became a writer. I think if you're trying to become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult. Welcome to Entertainment Business Wisdom with your host, Kaya Alexander. Hi, and welcome to Entertainment Business Wisdom. I'm Kaya Alexander, your host, here today with my special guest, writer, David Kessler. David, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so happy you're here. I would love for you to share a couple of your accomplishments with us. I've had the pleasure of both reading and watching you coming into this call, and uh, I'm already a huge fan and excited to get to talk to you further today. Cool. I, um, I, uh, I, I, it's been a very circuitous route to get to this place. I was a visual artist as a kid. I went to uh, um, Creative Performing Arts High School in Philadelphia, which is kind of like the Philly um, Philly uh, Fame School. So my classmates were boys to men before they were boys to men and uh, Questlove. And then I went to Questlove. Yeah, Questlove. Yeah. Well, he was a mirror then. He was a mirror Thompson. Um, but then I went to Parsons School of Design, but I was always sort of writing on the side. And um, then I, I came to L.A. where I was a stand-up. Um, and then at some point I stopped doing comedy and then totally pivoted to drama. Um, and now now I'm sort of uh, the uh, the doctor of broken biopics. <laughs> the doctor of broken biopics. That's an interesting brand. <laughs> I know one one can't live on biopics alone. I'm discovering. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, you uh, you wrote a really amazing one. I watched Minamata, and I, I'm excited to talk to you about that film um, because it's really really special. So let's talk about it a little bit. What? Um, how would you summarize the story? Um, it's about it's a true story about a, a once famous photographer who worked for Life magazine, but by his mid fifties he was you know um, on you know just uh, pawning his cameras for booze money and cat food, and nobody wanted to work with him because he was very difficult um, and exacting and a real pain in the tush. Um, but then he was going to get evicted, uh, so he took one last job to go to Japan to photograph the victims of mercury poisoning. And Japan was the last place he wanted to go to because he had been wounded at Okinawa um, in World War II. This is Eugene Smith, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. Played, by, played by Johnny Depp in the movie, an incredible performance. Yes, yes. And he goes, he goes to Japan and, um, and then where he is not particularly um, fitting in. 
Um, so he's not fitting in uh, among the, the victims who he needs to take their picture. Um, and he is not welcomed by the um, factory that is doing the poisoning of the, of the, of the, of the residents. And he falls in love too. He falls in love with his translator. He he falls in love and uh and and gets really bullied by the factory and what's going on there. And it was it was pretty scary stuff. It reminded it's like an Aaron Brockovich type of story, right? It's, yeah, it's very it's much. It, it's in yeah, it's in the vein of Aaron Brockovich and um and and Dark Waters. So yeah, it's a, it's sort of an environmental um, tale. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful and congratulations because the writing was exquisite. It was beautifully directed uh, and edited as well. And the cinematography is phenomenal. It's one of my favorite movies of the year and really worth, you know, seeing in one sitting and just really immersing yourself in that world and the visuals of the world and the characters of the world. And um, I didn't know anything about it when I watched the film. I just sat down. It's funny. So so for my listeners, David found me on Twitter when I was talking about having mercury poisoning as I'm going through this chelation process right now. I hopefully have just done the last one, but it's really serious and, uh, you know, significant. I'm in way in the red and all that kind of thing. They're like, what were you, how did you, did you eat tuna every single meal for your entire life? How did you get this much mercury? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I remember I remember te texting you on Twitter saying, uh, yeah. I don't mean to be salesy, but you uh -huh. might want to take a look at my movie. He's like, maybe you want to watch my movie, which happens to be all about this. I was like, what? That's crazy. And then I began looking for a moment when I could watch the film without my 10-year-old uh, uh, in the in the house because I knew it would be a drama. And I, yeah, I was really glad to to see it and be present. Uh, for that journey, I mean, God, my mercury poisoning isn't that bad. The symptoms of the people in this town were really terrifying. And it looks like it's generational. It especially affects, you know, pregnant women, babies in utero, all that kind of thing. David, how did you come across this story? Well, I was always familiar with the, there's a very famous photograph, which is sort of what the movie is sort of driving to, because he can't, he can't get the photograph that encompasses the entire tragedy. You know, he feels he needs one picture that's just going to be this key photo that everybody's going to understand um, how how uh, impactful this 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 environmental tragedy was. Um, so, but I always thought it was Hiroshima. I always thought it was taken in the '40s because it's black and white, and it looks like you know the the, the child might have been have the effects of a, a nuclear. This was uh, the child in the bath, right? Yeah, it's child Tomoko in the bath. Yeah, Tomoko so in the, the bath. Photo, the photo is, photo is called Tomoko in the bath, or mother and child in the bath. Um, yeah, so I was familiar with it when I was with Parsons because it's in every single like best of photojournalism uh, photography book. Um, little did I know it was taken sort of 15, 15 years before I was in, I was in college, you know, um, 17 years. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, yeah, I think it's about 15 years because I was in college in 88 and Gene Smith died in 78. So that's only 10 years earlier. And then I think he took that photo in 72. Yeah. So it was, was that 15, 16, 17 years? Um, yeah, so then, but I had a friend in New York who was older than I was. He was about 16 years my senior, um, and he had the Minamata book. Mm. Um, and I think he was in his early 20s, late teens when the Life magazine photos came out. So he was more familiar with the story behind behind the tragedy. So then, then, then I was able to get a hold of the book here in LA. That's, that's, how, I, that's how I found out about the story. 
And you were just like, I got to write a screenplay about this. Well, I mean, it was just, I, the story was just a film waiting to happen. It was like somebody just needed to crack, just peel, peel the, the plastic off of it, you know, because it had a beginning, middle and end. It had a character who was, you know, who had flaws and uh you know was was had a certain personality in the beginning and then he was transformed by his experiences um it had a love story he falls in love with his translator who was about 20 years his junior and you know it had a bad bad guy or a, an antagonist suck. you know so it just had all these like very cinematic elements and, mm -hmm. and people had been once i got to know mrs smith um you know people had tried to make this movie before you know mrs Smith was very funny sometimes like she would tell me things like years after you know like she was like oh did i tell you anthony hopkins was going to be my husband in the movie <laughs> what, what? <laughs> you, you didn't mention this at all like wayne wang was going to make the movie like in the late 80s or early 90s and and anthony hopkins she was like oh yeah she goes i had i had i had dinner at the ivy with anthony hopkins and wayne wang i'm like this is really good information <laughs> i wish you told me before carried the lead for somebody who is uh yeah. journalism there that's pretty funny she yeah. sounds like a, an interesting character herself. How did she yes. feel about the script and the film ultimately? What's up? How did she feel about the script and then ultimately the film that was made? Um, well, uh, before I answer that, I will preface by the saying she had a lot of concerns. Um, many concerns. Justifi <laughs> justifiably concerned. Sounds so easy. <laughs> you know, because like I had never made a movie before. My entire career up until that point was in comedy and comedy scripts, stand-up comedy. So how can you trust your legacy, your your ex-husband's legacy to this person who lives continents away, who's a never comedian. made a, how never can you made trust a movie? Any legacy to a comedian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of a bad idea on its face. Uh, but, you know, it took me two years to convince her um, that it would be a good idea to make a movie about it and that I could be entrusted with 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 all that um, uh, important, important history. Um, so, yeah, she had a lot of because she she didn't know how she was going to be portrayed. She didn't know how um, Jean was going to be portrayed. She was concerned about the victims of Minamata, who she was still you know, in contact with, you know, five decades later. Um, but then eventually I wore her down <laughs> or, or I charmed her up or I wore her down and charmed her up at the same time. Um, but yeah, it took it took it took a while for her to. There were times she bailed out on me. There were times she said, me, you know, what? I don't think this is a good idea. I'm out. Sorry. And then I would, you know, have to write a very long um, email expressing how important it was to get the story out and to get her story out and how it could she's still an activist so i think one of my selling uh points was like this is gonna re people have forgotten this story so if this becomes a movie and especially if we get a movie star and at the at the that time before depp came along it you know we didn't know there was going to be a movie star you know i said it's just it's going to it's going to create a whole new um, generation of activists and create more awareness of of what happened. Yeah. Um, so even in Japan, because Japan, I mean, it happened 50 years ago. So, you know, it's just sort of like a page in history books.
But but to, to, to sum up, she I think she's very happy about how it came out and how um, how she came across and how uh, I, I, I think she, she she's come to terms with it. And I and I, I do think she's happy with it. I love that. David, talk to me about the road of getting the script to screen. What how did it happen? And then, of course, you got Johnny Depp ultimately as well. Talk to me about now you have the script. How do you get your director? How did you find your financing? How did it unfold? Uh, a lot of that happened out of my purview. But I so it took two years to get the rights. Mm -hmm. But the story had been percolating in my head for those two years and probably 10, 15 years earlier. So I wrote the script in six weeks. <clears throat> Um, somebody I had dated 15 years earlier, she had a manager. She gave my script to that manager. Um, I had submitted it to the blacks, uh, the, the blacklist uh, website where it had landed in the top, top third of, you know, the scripts that week that were trending. So then she gave that to her, her manager. The manager happened to work at a photo photography magazine in New York in the early seventies, mid seventies. So she, was aware of Gene Smith and was aware of photography and aware of the the incident. Um, so then she sent it around to a bunch of places. Um, I had a bunch of meetings. Um, Depp's company initially said no. Initially they passed. Really? And about ten minutes, ten months or nine months later, I get a we get. She calls me on a Friday and she goes, uh, somebody else at Johnny Depp's company read it and they want us to come in the office on Monday because they think it could win Academy Award. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, but um, so yeah, so that that that's that's what happened. That's the short version of what happened. Wow, that is really cool. So you go into the office on Monday to meet with yes. them and ultimately they wanted to attach him. It's funny, his company developed it. And I don't know if they developed it with the idea that he would he would be the guy. Hmm. He would be Gene. It was never conveyed to me. It felt impolite to ask. <laughs> you know, so we like we just developed it uh, at in 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 Fintanum Nail. I still don't even know how to pronounce the name of the company, but um, in Fintim, Fintanum, and uh, I, yeah, I never asked. And uh, but we developed it and, you know, we, you know, I rewrote it based on um, the the executive's notes. And then the story I was told was that Depp came in the office one day because he was usually off making pirate movies. He's really not that. He's really not hanging around the office a lot. And, he, you know, they sit him down and he says, what are we working on? And somebody says, oh, you know, we're developing this story. Uh, based on a book called Minamata about a photographer named W. Gene Smith. And apparently Depp goes, I know who Gene Smith is. <laughs> um, so it turned out he he was aware of not only the photos, he was aware of Gene Smith as a personality. Oh, my God. Uh, because Gene Smith had a reputation of, you know, drinking hard and drugging hard and being very uncompromising and, you know, was making... a little bit the Keith Richards of the Yes, he was world. very involved with Keith Richards, it, Hunter Thompson, mm -hmm. you know, a guy who burned every bridge behind him. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and matches in his pocket, you know, but, but was, was, was exactly was, but just, you know, was very devoted and, and, um singularly minded and and uh opinionated you know 
about his art. Um, so, so then at some point, at some point, I don't know if they told me, but they're like, oh yeah, Johnny wants to play Gene. And then from that moment, the train just started moving very quickly. Um, I would yeah, say, he can he can green light a movie. He's one of those guys. So yeah, yeah. And again, this was before a certain incident. Oh God, yeah. Um, this was before the a trial certain... and all of the drama. And yeah, that's right. This uh, was all, yeah. Because I think this was a Depp's company. I'm trying to remember when it was there. Okay, we shot the movie in January of nineteen. Maybe it was a Depp's company for two years before that. Yeah, I think it was a Depp's company for two years before that, or a year and a half. Um, but yeah, um, because it was it was made independently, so it was just a, a cadre of you know individuals you know from England and you know raising the money, and then investors in America. So there was just like a bunch of people. In fact, it's 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 still owned by like an LLC. It's just inherently like an indie movie. Cool. Um, yeah, the copyright says uh, Minamata Film LLC. Uh, but yeah, because because Depp is this global star, so you could raise money. You could sell the you could sell the foreign territories. You could sell Asia. You know, you could raise some of the money um, from pre-sales. Of course. Yeah, that's really interesting. So who at that point was producing on the project? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Depp's company. So his company was producing and bringing on, the, and he was EPing? Yes, yes. I don't think Depp's company put any money in it, but Depp's company had connections to financiers. Um, and then actually, one of the, it was supposed to be directed by a cinematographer who Depp had worked with in the past. He was going to direct it, and then it, it, didn't, it didn't work out. But then one of the financiers, this is this is a story. I, 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 I'm pretty sure this is this is the story. Uh, there's still some gaps <laughs> in how everything happened, but I, I think one of the financiers was 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 Andrew Andrew Levitas, and I think he stepped up and said, you know, I'd really like to direct this. And apparently, he had directed a movie called uh, I think it was called Lullaby that had uh, Richard Jenkins and Amy Adams in it. Again, a very indie little movie, you know, that did uh, festival rounds. Um, and then he and Depp met. And apparently they were supposed to have a meeting that only lasted a couple hours, but then they their meeting lasted eight or nine hours. So they really were on the same page about how it was going to look and, uh, you know, what the movie was was really about and, you know, what the influences were. They were they just really hit it off like gangbusters. So then Johnny, uh, uh, you know, felt a kinship with Andrew. Oh, that's so rad. And, you know, the movie, the production value of the film, honestly, the beauty of the film, it, it's exquisite. Just you it know, looks amazing. Yeah. You study it, you know, frame by frame. You could, you know, hang the art of it just all over your walls. I mean, it is just one of these movies that aesthetically is so powerful because also in addition to the aesthetics, which are truly amazing, there's the symbolism of the aesthetics that was just so well, so well crafted, so well shown. It was like 
watching it, I was going, God, you know, this is true. This is true cinema. You know, you, you have to go back in time usually to find movies like this. And it was just, it was one of those films that I felt was truly transcendent. It was really well done. You must feel so proud. Um, yeah, it looks a bit, I am, thank you. Uh, the, the, uh, the DP was a guy named Benoit, Benoit de, de, de Lohem, I, th- I guess. Um, my French is not that great, but um, he was familiar with Gene Smith's oeuvre. So, you know, he, because he's a DP and I think he was a still photographer at, at one point. So then he really wanted, I think, every frame to look like a Gene Smith photograph. You know. I'd say I'd say that was achieved. It was pretty exquisite. And coming in with no knowledge of who he was or what happened, you know, with him and his life in this particular photograph and what it did for that town uh, in that era, it was just it was it truly stood alone. It was a completely compelling piece of history that I knew nothing about. Uh, so it was meaningful to watch. You know, because you just so seldom see. Well, I know they didn't triumph completely, but with these David and Goliath stories, you know, it just seems like these days anyways that all the davids just get so steamrolled by the goliaths you know everywhere so these you know stories that are true that are like oh my goodness you know there was some triumph for the people uh that 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 and i say some because as we know from i won't spoil it but from the title cards you know it wasn't completely a triumph but right yeah gene smith got a bit steamrolled um and while he was there by the factory Mm, oh yeah i mean definitely for sure well, what are you working on now? Um, well, um, well, I was working on the John Lennon script that uh, that I think you have read or are reading. Oh, which um, I have read, which was exquisite. Oh, great! Oh no, it's a gorgeous story. Absolutely great. Um, yeah, I, that would, movie... I would read anything you you've written, and you're you're a fantastic writer. Really, uh, thanks. Really moves. You know, you feel like you see the people on on the page. You know them. You know, there's a real there's a real sense of uh, of who they are and what they care about and what they love and what's hard for them. And I love how you get into families uh, now having, well, watched you and now read you, but like the experience of the family was so meaningful. So yeah, no, I I loved the uh, John Lennon script. Yeah, uh, an old girlfriend, the one who gave it to her manager said, Kessler, all your stories are father and son stories. Hmm. Um, Yeah, so I was working on that, what we're talking about, it was the the John Lennon immigration um, story um how the nixon administration was going to throw him out of the country um and then he hired an older orthodox um uh immigration attorney who didn't know who john lennon was that was what was so funny about it you brought all this levity in with the with with the sweetness of like him and his relationship with his son actually as he was finding out who john lennon and yoko ono are and you know, kind of having his world turned upside down by the by these hipsters, you know, who he was a little suspicious of. I just thought right. it, was, it was really endearing. It's funny. I found a scene that I would want to put back into that script. That's like in the first two or three pages, he goes to his son's room and the kids got this, you know, the headphones on this 1970s, you know, um, headphones. And uh, he's like, you know, he's shaking the kid to get ready for school. And he's got like a Cat Stevens album and he's trying to connect with the kid going, oh, is she good? And the kid goes, it's a he. Um, so I, I kind of want to put that back 
because of course, you know, 10 pages later, he meets John Lennon. So like then, then the son is very interested in, in, in his own father because he's about 12, you know? So you just kind of, you've kind of fall out of love with your parents. Yeah. Of course, dads are not cool when you're 12. Not cool. And his dad was really <laughs> like a real square too. So it's a real funny scene when John Lennon shows up at their house for dinner, um, which, which really happened. Which um, really happened. That's so yes, actually, they were John and Yoko were invited to the son's bar mitzvah. Um, there was there was little at the end of the script. You'll see there's like a kind of an end credit where there's like um, a centerpiece uh, at a table. And then the little card says Mr. and Mrs. Lennon. But at the last minute, they couldn't go because uh, Sean had an earache. But yeah, they got very close. Uh, the script I just finished recently was um, it's called Scaring Shelley. It's about um, Shelley Duvall being abused on the set of The Shining. Um, oh, it's terrorized, terrorized, actually. Terrorized? Yeah, terrorized. Tell me more. I know nothing about this. Oh, well, the, the, she was not a trained actress. She didn't go to, um, you know, uh, the, you know, she didn't study Sinovsky or go to the, the actor's studio. She didn't hadn't done any of that and done any of that work. Um, she just kind of showed up in those Robert Allman movies and they were all improvised and she had a quirky personality. So it worked. So this was kind of her first movie where she really needed to act and learn the lines. And I think Kubrick was, um, you know, nervous that she wouldn't be able to pull it off, especially a role where you need to be hysterical most of the movie. So he told the cast not to, you know, be nice to her. And he kind of yelled at her a lot. And this lasted a year, but I kind of took a to very- drive her into actual hysterics. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Push that's her right. over yeah. the edge so she would deliver this performance. Oh my yeah. God, so terrifying and, and old school. It reminds me of some of the stories about Natalie Wood. Um, yeah, she was really put through a lot of hell. And uh, so I kind of, I, I, I didn't want to make it a movie about- I didn't want to see somebody abused for 90, 100 minutes. So I kind of threw this black swan kind of treatment. So you it's kind of a horror movie about a horror movie. Like she doesn't she doesn't know if things are real or not, or if her hotel is actually haunted or if the things that she's seeing are really happening. Like she, she begins to be, be really gaslit. Um, you know, she's sort of sleep deprived, you know. Um, so yeah, it has, and it has, it has a couple really interesting twists to it. So it's called. Oh, I love that. It's Got called "Scaring Shelley." Scaring Shelley. Gaslight was one of my favorite movies uh, of your. The, the black and white movie. Yeah, the Ingrid Bergman. Yes, yes, Charles, I just watched it. Charles Boyer. My nickname for my father was Charles Boyer for that reason. Before Gaslight was a word, and I was like, "This is who you are." Um, yeah, I just watched it recently. It has a very old fashioned, um, you know, um, approach, you know, it feels very like, it feels like it's, there's, they're still acting as if there's a stage, you know, so, but yes, yeah. that's, that's all, that's all very, very cool stuff. How do you decide what you're going to work on next? It sounds like you're somebody who has a lot of ideas. I, yeah. Um, right now I'm working on an action thing because I don't think I can live on biopics alone. Um, I have I have to keep the lights on somehow. <laughs> so um, is it because it got comedy in it? Because I are you going to go back to your roots as a comedian? Are you going to stick with like more dramatic action? Yeah, I think if I if I think if I worked on that comedy like the one I was talking to you about before about uh, my parents, I just feel like I would really confuse the marketplace. 
you know, because you're not supposed to, like, you're supposed to, you know, stay in a lane so people Maybe know, oh, I have a biopic. Who or, you are, not because of what the film is. What's that? Because of who you are as doctor of biopics, you mean? I guess so. I, I, I don't want to confuse, I just, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I've been listening to interviews with managers and, the, and one of them said, like, well, if a client has all these different genres, he, he said he feels like it's like a guy in Times Square going, oh, you need a watch, you need drugs, you need a gun, you need some magazines, you know? He just kind of feels like it's a little like, what do you need? I got it. You Has know? everyone like forgotten Billy Wilder? I mean, come on, for fuck's sake. Like we're an industry that has celebrated people who have a lot of talent and can do a lot of, have range. Range used to be yeah. celebrated. Now it's like, oh, you just have to be like the one flavor candy bar. Yeah, I know, I know. So, but, so I'm, so I'm writing an action thing. So um, it's, so I just feel like that's a drama too with some action scenes in it. What ties all those things together, I'm really good at adaptation. Um, so most of the things I work on um, are, are, are adaptations. I love that. I love writing adaptations too. I have several in my portfolio and it's really the fun brain puzzle of that. I, I have a brain that's like a dog that needs a bone to chew on and just the the infinite brain puzzle of an adaptation is, is a blast. Yeah, so hopefully I can, I can, I can, I can, I can brand myself as the adaptation guy, you know. There you so, go. Uh, but yeah, so I'm 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 working on that. The, I'm working on an action thing, and then I have a a Pixar-y kind of thing that I wrote with a guy I found on the blacklist too. Um, which 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 actually Levitas wants to wants to make. Um, oh, fantastic! So you could work with him again. He's so talented. Yeah, he, he he's actually, so talented. He actually hired me to rewrite a script called Adidas versus Puma. Um, which I, I rewrote from scratch. Um, oh, amazing. The brothers. The brothers. Exactly. Exactly. So that script goes from 1917 to 1973. That's, um, but yeah, so I rewrote, I rewrote that for him in, in six weeks. Oh, that's really cool. I teach my students in the entertainment business school, the principle of a wolf pack, having a wolf pack, finding your wolf pack. And it helps to work with the same people over and over, especially develop a shorthand together. Uh, are you looking forward to doing another movie with him? Sounds like you enjoyed your experience. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew's really, I mean, again, Minamata was his second movie. What? I mean, you would, you would think it would be like somebody's like sixth movie or something. Yeah. So his wow. second movie has Johnny Depp in. And I remember there was ones we were, um, we were shooting the scene. I'm in the movie. I, I think, I don't know if you saw, I'm in the movie for like three frames. I'm, I'm at the table, like, at the table. I'm at the table. I'm at the table. Yes. I'm at the table sitting next to Bill Nye. But, um, Bill Nye's so great in everything. He was like, again, fantastic in this. He, he was so, and he was lovely too. He was sitting like right here. He was sitting right next to me. And actually we improved. We improved um, all day because we needed to keep be talking because Depp needed to make it from the door to the table. And we obviously mm -hmm. just couldn't be silent because it's a meeting. Right. So yeah. I was throwing all these sort of like uh, graphic design terms because I worked at magazines and stuff. So I'd be talking about, oh, we need to get, you know, the, the, the you know, the, we need to get the types. We need to get this typeset and we need to get the stat machine. And and then Bill would 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 improv with me. So we just had the, we had these little improvs uh, all day. But I watched Depp and he said to Johnny, he goes, you know what? Why don't you why don't you sit at he goes, why don't you sit in Bill's seat? Because the day before um, you know, he comes in, he's asking for money. 
or or work and then you know he's 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 disempowered so he's on the other side of the desk so he goes now you're empowered he goes why don't you come in and then you just sit in bill's chair and then bill has to sit in the guest chair so the roles are reversed i'm like well, isn't that clever mm-hmm yeah that's brilliant yeah he just has a brain for symbolism he gets to how to tell the story visually be you know six layers down with that script i mean he's the guy's so talented that that's just so cool He's a visual artist as well. He 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 makes these photographic sculptures. So yeah, he he had a real um, good sense, a real good visual sense as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, will you talk to us a little bit if you can share about the journey of getting this film distribution because it was uh, really difficult, as you've shared with me behind the scenes and. Right. Uh, and it, but it's still an interesting story, you know, of like how it came to screen, because everybody who's listening, you can see it on Hulu, which is where it is right now. And I, I highly recommend it. This is a gorgeous movie. And you should watch it. Uh, you want me to talk about the distribution stuff? I do. I want you to. Well, can you? Well, um, what can you say? Well, two things, two <laughs> things, ha two things happened. Two, there were two kneecapping events that happened sort of right at the same time. Yeah, so, Tanya Harding piece of the story. Yeah, so, uh, well, uh, the movie almost fell apart because of certain um, parties uh, filing certain lawsuits. Um, <laughs> In, in certain countries. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the movie almost fell apart um, a couple days after his ex-wife's um, uh, um, op-ed. Um, and then, and then I, we, I, they, I think we had to get a new financier. It was, it was very complicated. Um, and then, uh, but then, you know, we got over that hump, but then we were at the Berlin Film Festival uh, and the last screening was March 3rd, 2020. And there were 17 offers for the movie. And then a week later, like all the movie theaters closed and the whole world closed. And then all 17 offers were, were attracted. Um, so that was, that was kneecap, I guess kneecap number two. And then at some point after that, it was picked up by MGM, who was going to be the domestic distributor. Um, but then but but then there was some there was something happened where yeah you can look it up on deadline but there was i don't they didn't want to release it some something happened i don't know all the details did but somehow the, did it get a theatrical release yes well eventually <laughs> the director got it away from mgm and then samuel goldwyn films um uh distributed it um, but it was, we only had a week, there was a week, so it uh, was a bit, uh, considered for the Oscars, so it ran a week here and around a week in New York, and then, and then it ran, I think, just for one week in 25 cities, maybe a month later. So, yeah, and now it's on Hulu. <laughs> and now it's on Hulu. It's, you know, it's kind of baffling sometimes to me in this business that, you know, such a big movie star as Depp could do a really significant and beautiful film like this. Like, I didn't hear about it, you know, not not a breath. So, you know, and it's interesting and I feel so conflicted. You know, I would be remiss just not to say how conflicted I feel about, you know, separating the art from the artist um, because Depp is such an incredible actor and the entire train wreck of the lawsuit and what came out and 
the behavior that was recorded and things like this, you know, it's been, I, I did have a moment of like, God, do I watch this movie? And I think a lot of people feel that way uh, about some of these, about some of these circumstances and men in the industry um, who have ruined their own reputations uh, in reality, you know? So yeah, it's a, it was tough. I imagine that must've been tough for you um, as the artist in that position, having this A-list movie star who all of a sudden is getting raked over the coals for his behavior. Um, you know, he, he was vindicated uh, uh, recently uh, by a jury of his peers. Yes, um, I know the jury vindicated him, but with the evidence is already there. So whether he was vindicated or not, you just watch the video and you see what you see. Um, I didn't I didn't watch I didn't watch the trial. Um, um, and I, I don't I don't really think about I don't I don't read People magazine. I don't care about like if actors are having babies or any, like I don't think about any of that so um I'm sensitive to it because I'm a woman and we've been through, yeah we've been through me too and yes. you know this is an industry which has has continues to treat women so so badly and cover it up and make excuses for it and continue to uh to harm women um you know you look at Uma Thurman's uh crazy story about working with Quentin Tarantino and Kill Bill and others where yeah, where you're just, I mean, it sounds like the Shelley Duvall story, you know, in, in that capacity as well, where there's a level of abuse that has been permit, uh, given, you know, per permissible, has been made permissible. Um, yeah, and I have a lot of feelings about that because I have a lot of women who are students, you know, being a woman myself, I've also dealt with those situations and we just normalized it in this industry and need to do better with our hiring practices and with also just, you know, putting the humanity back in, in, in it. But yeah, it's tough. I mean, like I said, I'm conflicted separating the art from the artist. Um, I feel the same way about Woody Allen. I can't watch a Woody Allen film. I've tried. And then I just I kind of go, yeah, I can't watch these anymore, you know, so it's tough. Right. Maybe, maybe I'm guilty of compartmentalization or something. <laughs> I mean, I do have a I do have a shelf of, jo of, of a Johnny Depp uh, materials regarding my film right here. So well, I, I think it's you got to celebrate, you know, these wins. And the, the reality is he, he did an incredible job. Yeah, he's 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 amazing. Oh my God, his this performance it actually was one of my favorite of all of his performances. Having seen a lot of his films over the years, this one was really special uh, because you just really pulled you into this man's pain and his journey. You know, it was just it was an exquisite performance. Yeah, if I could tell another story about the that scene in the in the Life magazine room. Um, What's interesting, like when the day first started, you know, Depp is a little, you know, he's, he doesn't, it's it's early in the morning. He has a, a long monologue to do around that table. So he's doing, all right, I need, I need to hit my mark here. He's just kind of getting it together. And then I was at the table going, oh no, oh no, he doesn't know the lights. Um, but as the day went on, which was eight hours, eight and a half hours to shoot that one scene, um, Bill Nye and he know each other from the pirate movies. So they've known each other 20 years. And right before the, the we started shooting, Bill gave Depp a book. Of, yeah, it was about World War II or something like this, nonfiction book. And so then as the day went on, I saw Depp, who was like, you know, just a few feet away from me. I mean, there's a moment in the movie where he's literally standing behind me. So I got to see Johnny Depp like sort of act maybe like, 13, 14 inches away from my head. But then I saw him find the meaning in the words. I saw him connect with the words. I found him 
find the relationship he had with Bill because in the movie, of course, Depp knows the editor of Life magazine because they've known each other for 20 plus years. Then in real life, Johnny Depp knows Bill Nye for 20 years. So then I watched like, oh, this is a real relationship. They really know each other. So that was kind of kind of amazing to watch. Oh, that's fascinating. All those layers of complexity that just add to the um, the resonance of truth that's in all those scenes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel it. Oh, and then I have I have a story about when he sings Forever Young. I don't know if I told you that story. Yeah, well, tell it because the audience doesn't know this story and it's beautiful. Um, originally, there's a scene where Depp uh, is sort of forced to babysit um, the girl in the bath, the, the girl who's the most severely um, affected and deformed um, by the poisoning. And uh, this is not was, a babysitter that you want to have for your, for your <laughs> child. He's about as misanthropic and alcoholic as it gets. And yet. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in real life, they did babysit that that child. Um, they, they did live down by uh, down the road by them. But, um, you know, he's sort of estranged from his um, his own children. I think it's that scene where she she says to him like well just, we're just going to leave you alone with her for like a few minutes he's like no you you shouldn't <laughs> i don't want to do this i can't i can't and then she goes well don't you have kids and he goes yeah it doesn't mean i'm good with them um and she goes do you have any pictures of your kids and he goes no maybe i should make some you know so, um and then so he's he's left with this child and he was supposed to sing uh, Danny Boy um, because it's in the public domain and it's an Irish, <laughs> an Irish folk song. Good screenwriter solution. <laughs> yes. Well, it was originally written for it, the, it was originally written for Jeff Bridges. And I know Jeff Bridges likes to sing. So I thought that would be a good, a good, a good hook. Um, but Johnny instead starts singing um, Bob Dylan's Forever Young. Um, and then all the line producers started freaking out. I wasn't, I found this story out later, but apparently all the producers and line producers are like freaking out because now somehow they have to like license a Bob Dylan song, which is probably not easy. And then, and then there's no other, there's no other take. <laughs> like it's not, he, he didn't, he didn't sing like, you know, um, Danny Boy is sort of a backup. He just like did the scene and he sang the song and it was beautiful and they captured it. So then at some point everybody's freaking out and Depp goes, well, I'll just call Bob. <laughs> so so then and then yeah, now you have the song for that not only do we have Depp singing the song on the soundtrack we actually have the dylan master play so so Aww. it's uh, it's always good to know bob dylan oh my goodness that's rad that's that's power for you right there it was a beautiful scene too it was, it was yeah. my favorite scene in the movie actually yeah she touches his beard oh poignant oh my yeah. god yeah, no, I, I, I definitely teared up a couple times watching that movie. Oh, good. If, oh, if people don't cry, I don't feel like I've done my job. Um, so, David, it's been fantastic having you as a special guest on the show. Where where can people find you if they want to follow you? We know Twitter's like, you know, yeah, very, I'm, I'm right on now. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. I mean, I am, too, for the next for time. At least the end of the day. <laughs> um, you can find me, David K. Kessler. Um, and also David K. Kessler on um, Instagram. Um, I also teach. I teach for the script anatomy. Oh, I hear fantastic things.
things about them. A bunch yes, of we're we're things. we're and I'm amazing. Um, I'm a I'm a very favorite teacher. Mm, and so I teach that. I teach I teach a lab class, which is sort of a beginner's uh, workshop, and then I teach an advanced class where you write an entire script in six weeks, um, literally page one to page one hundred in six weeks. Um, and then I also do uh, consults. I do consults through the script anatomy uh, as well, and and through not the script anatomy. So that's well, you're you're such a talented individual, and I, it's a delight to get to chat with you, have you on the show. Everybody, watch Minamata. It's exquisite. It's on Hulu. And uh, David, I'll talk to you again soon. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Kaya Alexander can be reached on Twitter for your questions or comments at This Is Kaya. Get entertainment business career training as well as a free special report, How to Pitch Anything in One Minute, at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Thank you. Thank you.